Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing mini episode of For the Love of Money, episodes that I like to call My Two Cents. And I'm really excited to get into today's episode because I have actually been wanting to do this one for a while. I want to prove that if you have more, somebody else does not have to have less. That's right. When you have more, somebody else does not have to have less. And I'm actually going to show you so many examples as to why this is true in order to free you up from thinking that you cannot have as much as you truly want because you're afraid that someone else is going to have less. But before I do, I just want to remind you that we are always adding incredible new entrepreneurs to the waiting list for our elite mastermind. Now, if you are a multiple six-figure entrepreneur, that wants to figure out how to get to seven figures once and for all, or if you've just barely, barely hit seven figures and you want to get into those multiple seven figures year after year after year, then this is the right mastermind for you. There's something beautiful that happens as a collective when you join 25 to 29 other epic entrepreneurs whose job it is for the year to lift each other up. The cumulative effect of that is that your business grows exponentially because you now have 25, 26, 27, 28, whatever the number is, other talented entrepreneurs working on your business throughout the year with you instead of you doing it alone. So listen, if you're curious, if you're a fit, if you want to get on the waiting list so that you're the first one to know when we open up enrollment again, all you have to do is go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, it's fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Go there, check it out, fill out the application. By filling out the application, that's what puts you officially on the waiting list so that you're the first to know when we open enrollment and it's first come, first serve. So we always start with the top of the list as to who filled out their application first and we just work our way down the list. So first come, first serve, fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Check it out there, fill out the app. That is your official spot on the waiting list, so you'll be the first to know when we open enrollment and you can join this epic group of entrepreneurs that you've probably already seen me posting all over social media. So getting into today's episode, we, once and for all, are going to prove to you that if you have more, someone else does not have to have less. You know, have you ever heard that term, your slice of the pie, right? There's only so much pie to go around, you know, as if there's only so much pie to be divided among the people. And if someone gets a big slice, supposedly you get a smaller slice. Well, for a real physical pie. Yeah, I guess this is true, but wealth is not a pie. It's something entirely different. It's this breathing, living, growing, shrinking organism. Many of us were brought up with these same types of thoughts, unfortunately. You know, like if you have one widget, then somebody else must have one less widget. Or if you have $10, then somebody else must be missing $10. On the surface, hey, I get it. I can see why people fell for this basic thinking because visually it makes sense. But when it comes to dividing up and accumulating wealth, this isn't actually how it works at all. 
And the problem is, if this is you, if this is how you think, then it's going to hold you back from wanting to accumulate great wealth because deep down, you're a good person and you're afraid that if you accumulate wealth, that means somebody else is getting hurt by you getting richer. And we need to free you of that feeling so that you can feel unapologetic about accumulating as much wealth as you have the ability to and you accumulating as much wealth as you have the right to because we all have a right to as much wealth as we want without hurting anyone else in order to attain it. So good news. Wealth accumulation is not a zero-sum game. Let me repeat this. Wealth accumulation is not a zero-sum game. Now, the media certainly doesn't help this situation. The media certainly doesn't help you break free of these feelings. You know, in order to appeal to their readers, they constantly sell headlines like, the world's richest 1% grabbed 82% of all wealth created last year. Really? Did they grab it? Or did they, you know, did they come to your house and, and hold a gun to your head until you handed over your money? Or did they create an entirely new item, maybe called an iPhone? And you went and handed them your money in exchange for this exciting new tool in your life called an iPhone. That's how it really works. You know, one of the biggest reasons that we think having wealth means somebody else has less is because hundreds of years ago, land represented the biggest measurement of wealth. You were wealthy if you had a lot of land and you were poor if you didn't. And there was just so much land to go around. So factually speaking, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, if my castle was on 10,000 acres, then that truly was 10,000 acres that I had to take from somebody else. But that's not how wealth is measured today. There are so many different ways to measure wealth. There are so many different ways to accumulate wealth. And the overall size of the pie, if you really want to go there, is always changing and always growing. Here's a new fact for you to sit on. Wealth grows. Wealth grows in many ways, always. To think that there you know, are a fixed amount of just of cars, of houses, of medicines, of ideas, etc., to go around is unrealistic. They're always making more. As a matter of fact, they're always making as many as we can consume. Thus, wealth is always being created. So when Jeff Bezos gets richer, it does not mean that I just got poorer. It means that he got richer by creating more wealth for himself. Let's take a look at some really good examples because I really want to drive this home to you. I really want to free you of these shackles. One way for you to create new wealth for yourself is most commonly by having something to sell. You could sell a product, an idea. You could sell information. You could sell your time, sell your services, your skill sets, anything. As a matter of fact, if you have a job and you get a salary, you sold your time and your skill sets for that salary. Your boss gave you, let's say, $1,000 for that week's worth of your time and skill sets. Now, did your boss suddenly get poorer because he or she gave you $1,000 for your skill sets and your time? No, because your skill sets and your time created, created something new for your boss. And in theory, that something new is going to make him or her wealthier. 
he or she got a new finished product that he or she will sell to someone else for even more profit. So you got wealthier by getting your paycheck and your boss got wealthier by having a new product to sell and so on and so on and so on. Here's another example. If you created an event or an e-course and you received $500 for it from Susie, did Susie just get $500 poorer? Well, hopefully not. She only did if your e-course or event is pure garbage because if your event or e-course offered value, then Susie just received that value that she will apply to her life or her business, thus causing her life or her business to literally become more valuable, right? She gave you 500 bucks. In return, she got value. So her life and her business just became literally more valuable. In other words, to become wealthier, Susie might even take that value from you, from your event, from your e-course, and she might go create a $100,000 income for herself because of that new value that she took from your event or your e-course. Hey, that's not a bad trade for the $500 ticket, right? So you received $500 in new wealth. And in this example, Susie received $100,000 in new wealth plus the new value, the new information that she can use and capitalize on forever. That's an infinite amount of wealth that Susie got by giving you $500. You both won. Now, let's look at it on a macroeconomic scale in order to really show you that new wealth is always being created. So there's always going to be enough to go around for those that actually do want to go out there and create it for themselves. Now, I'm going to talk a lot about the U.S. dollar and the U.S. economy. I know I have listeners from all over the world. I love each and every one of you. But guess what? Your economies work the same way. So this is just for example. The U.S. dollar and most other countries' currencies used to be backed by physical gold. It was called the gold standard. So X ounces of gold literally equaled X U.S. dollars. The only way more U.S. dollars could be created is if we accumulated more gold that we held in our reserves. This again made it tougher for overall wealth to grow because there's just so much gold to grow to go around. Like if you wanted more gold, you either had to get it from somebody else or you had to go mining and find some extra. But in 1933, FDR took us off the gold standard and the US dollar became as valuable as we all honored it to be. So instead of X ounces of gold, equaling a dollar, the dollar was now valued by whatever we all said it was valued by. If we wanted to trade a bag of rice for a dollar, that dollar was worth one bag of rice. If all of a sudden we wanted to trade a half a bag of rice for a dollar, now the dollar just got more valuable. So meaning if the world agrees that one barrel of widgets is worth one U.S. dollar, then that's the value of that U.S. dollar. It's truly just a fictional number. Now, why do I tell you this? So that you can understand that value is nothing more than an amount that we all agree it to be. That amount is higher when it's in high demand and lower when it's in low demand. The value of a dollar is X 
because we all agree that it's worth X right now. So if value is just subjective to demand, then as demand for anything goes up, so does the overall value. And as demand has no end, then also value has no end. The overall available value for you has no end. So what makes stocks go up or down? Supply and demand. What makes the value of the US dollar or any currency go up and down? Supply and demand. When there is high demand, these values go up. So when you buy Apple stock at $175 per share, you just spent $175 and received that share worth $175 in return. Now let's say that stock goes up to $200 tomorrow. You just got $25 richer. Does that mean that some poor sap somehow lost $25 to Apple? No. That stock only went up based on speculation because people speculated that Apple was going to do well, thus creating more demand for that stock, thus raising that stock's value. So in this example, $25 of brand new wealth was literally created out of thin air. And congratulations, you happen to be the recipient of it. So if $25 of brand new wealth can be created out of thin air, so then can $25,000 or $25 million or $25 billion or $25 trillion. Do you follow me? It can all be created new out of thin air. And so there's endless amount to go around. The overall amount of wealth available is always going up and down, but in the long run has always ended up up. Same for the value of a home. If you buy your home for, let's say $200,000 and the appraiser in a few years tells you good news, your home is now worth $250,000. Does that mean that somebody else just got $50,000 poorer? No. That means that demand for homes went up, thus making your home more valuable. And the fact that you're the owner of that home in that moment, that just means that you got wealthier without anybody else getting poorer. And you might say, uh-uh, Chris, because for me to realize that wealth, somebody has to come and give me a check for $250,000. So they just lost $250,000. No, they didn't. For their $250,000, they received a home that is worth $250,000. So they got an equal energy exchange for their check. You became $50,000 wealthier if you chose to sell your home in that moment. And they have an asset that can go up and down and create new wealth for them as well. Now, when does wealth go down? Well, remember the Great Recession that we all just had in 2007 to 2009? Overall household wealth lost $16 trillion from its pre-recession peak of $67 trillion. So that means all of the households in America added together, the net worth of each household, not the house, but the household, the, you know, your savings, your investments, your home, your cars, everything. At absolute peak in US history, right before the recession, all of it added together was $67 trillion. But when the recession hit, it wiped out $16 trillion, bringing it down to about 50 trillion dollars total. It was a devastating time for all of us. Do you remember when your parents' home value went down? 
Well, $6 trillion in home values were lost. But was it truly lost? Because today, just eight or nine years later after the recession, overall household wealth now measures over $90 trillion. $23 trillion higher than the peak just 10 years ago before the Great Recession started. Whoa, like think about that a minute. The previous peak before the recession, the world record of household total wealth was $67 trillion. Then we lost $16 trillion. Everyone was devastated. And here we are eight or nine years later and everybody's net worth added together is now over $90 trillion, $23 trillion higher than what the previous record was. That's brand new wealth. So if household wealth has grown 34% higher than it's ever been in history in just 10 years, that shows you that the total amount of wealth available is truly endless. Wealth is simply the total amount of value in any moment determined by adding up all of the resources available in the world and factoring in demand for those resources at any moment. So if there's an endless amount of wealth available and more can be created at any time, then your ability to create wealth for yourself is the only thing that determines how wealthy you'll be. Not by taking from somebody else, but by being a part of the machine that creates new wealth every single day in this world. You are entitled to as much wealth as you learn to create without hurting another soul. You are entitled to as much wealth as you learn to create. And when you do, you know what happens. When good people make good money, they do great things. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.